The Lifestyle Show on RTE Radio 1 Extra. Hello and welcome to The Lifestyle Show with me, Tara Lockery-Grant on RTE Radio 1 Extra. This is the weekly show and podcast where we talk to some of the most inspiring people whose work, programmes and interviews we feature on rte.ie forward slash lifestyle and also in the lifestyle section of the RTE News Now app. The areas that we focus on, living, parenting, finance, fitness, health, food, fashion, travel, careers, motors and much more. And many of those we feature here are household names. Many others should be and will no doubt be as they go about inspiring people in their day-to-day lives. Today, we're talking to... In 25 years, I've never met anybody who has cracked it. Part of the reason is because we have an expectation that the state of having perfectly balanced life is even achievable. It's a bit like trying to stand on top of a football. For a momentary split second, you'll achieve balance on the football, but as soon as you've achieved that balance, you're about to fall off. This week, we are talking again to the founder of Flow and also the co-founder of Greenline Conversations. It is Ian McLean. And what do his companies do? Well, they help people and companies manage through change. One of the key things that we're always talking about is work-life balance. We all hear it, we all aspire to it, but very few of us get it. So with Ian, one thing that we want to talk through this week is how can we change that? We're always on, the phone's always in our hand, emails are always handy. And, you know, yes, there was a, there's a great side to that, but also there's a pretty scary side. So Ian, you're very welcome. Thank you. We need you. <laughs> we need your help. We need your advice and we need to help address this whole work-life balance. And First of all, is it possible to do it really? Uh, So there's two things in response to your introduction that strike me. The first is the very term work-life balance has actually always sat uncomfortably with me because it assumes that there's a separation between work and life, that actually work is something that is entirely separate from life. But most people I know, work is actually eating up life or very much part of life or how they express themselves, what they're consumed by, what they're, you know, involved in to a, a, a much, you know, a very, very great degree. So um, I'm not certain where, you know, work stops and life starts or so like, it's always been a bit confusing as a, yeah, as a term. And it actually terrifies the bejani out of me when you say it that way, because, you know, you know, any of us who have lost people or been through traumatic times in life and anything that makes you, as you said very rightly um, recently in our last podcast, whether it's a period of illness, whether it's a period of grief or, or, or loss or a period of huge change and turmoil. Am I right? Were they the three kind of areas? So when you go through any of those three things, you do take a stand back and you think, right, well, I need to live more. But when work is becoming so intermingled with that life, how can you? How can you be happier when you're working? So I think I'm going to come to that point a little bit later uh, in our conversation because the the second element to the question that you asked, or actually the question that you did ask was, is it it possible to actually achieve it? And in nearly a quarter century of working with managers, leaders, executives, there's, there's good news and bad news. The good news is that there's nobody who doesn't suffer from the dilemma and the difficulty in trying to gain balance and restore balance or create balance in their life. Uh, so that's, that, that's, in a sense, that's positive. Disturbingly so you, comforting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, uh, it, it may be comforting to know that you're not alone. Yes. And the second thing is that it is, in 25 years, I've never met anybody who has cracked it. And part of the reason is because we have an expectation that the state of having a perfectly balanced life is even achievable. 
So if you create that as an, as an expectation, you're always going to be disappointed. And I, I use the analogy, it's a bit like trying to stand on top of a football. <laughs> you'll stand on it for a momentary split second. You'll achieve balance on the football. Yes. But as soon as you've achieved that balance, you're about to fall off. Oh, listen, I th- you are spot on. I've, I've had it, those moments. But if you begin to think about it, instead of it being an end state, which is a, a, a state in itself, it's a process. You're constantly trying to adjust and readjust. It's like sailing. If you're sailing, you're constantly tacking to the left or tacking to the right or an aircraft journey. It's never on the straight line. It's always tacking to the left or tacking to the right to try to get back on. So it's it's a constant state of auto-correction and auto-adjustment. Which is, again, exhausting thought, but at least it, it good to talk about it and know that that's the way it is. Yeah, and, 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 and that's, you know, in 25 years, nobody's come in and says, Eureka, I've got this thing, uh, simply because this thing doesn't exist. So I think that the starting point around creating balance or regaining balance is to realize that you'll never have absolute perfection. You'll have a fleeting moment of it, but you're constantly going to be adjusting. Okay. As a working mum, I find, again, the same thing. By acknowledging that, the work-life balance and also the guilt, um, of you're going to feel it. It's just how, how big or how little. Continually, um, that guilt of, as a, a working mum is also very similar to that. Okay, so, you know, I love your idea as well that you're saying this idea of being on. You know, you're talking about it was a huge, great thing. Was it, you know, when you were working with, was it, or was it back in the 90s? You were saying there was a company, was it Aircell? Yeah, uh, it's, I, I always try to go into the reasons or the origins of why there's a dilemma to understand how to fix it. Because what you're describing is the working mother and the guilt that goes along with it and the aspiration that people have to try to create a balance in their lives and the fact that so many people out there feel the pressure of being out of whack and out of kilter and out of alignment. So it's a very, very common phenomenon. And I always try to, try, try to seek to understand what caused it or created it in the first place. There are two basic causes that coalesce that have created the situation or the circumstances that make people feel out of, out of whack. Uh, the first goes back to, I emigrated during the 1980s and I returned again in the 90s. And the advent of the mobile phone had just happened. The mobile phone operator at the time, before Digicel, <laughs> uh, emerged, was Aircell. And they had a wonderful tagline, which was connecting people, not places, which was brilliant because fixed landlines meant that you had to be in a fixed place. Now, all of a sudden, they'd created this ability to connect people where you didn't have to be in a place. So it was brilliant as a tagline. It was very, very innovative, yes. and it was very liberating for people. The unfortunate thing is when you pick one end of a stick up, you also pick up the other end of the stick. Love and that the, analogy. The other end of the <laughs> stick of being uh, constantly connected is that you cannot disconnect. So this idea of being always on, to me, it's the King Midas of the 21st century. Yeah. It, 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 it's seductive. It, f- it seems phenomenal as a positive and it is phenomenal as a positive, but then the other side of the stick is that it can become devastatingly disruptive if it runs out of control. Absolutely. So, so that's on one side. You've got the phenomenon of constantly being connected. The second phenomenon that has happened in the last 20 years has been the advent of the information age um, created through technology and the internet. And nowadays, the volume of data and information that we have available to us is... Colossal. You know, some of the data that backs that up is in the last 10 years, the volume of data has increased, has doubled annually. 
So you've got exponential growth of available information and available data. And they've tried to measure how much data there is available to us in the world. And there were two analogies that I was struck by which were very interesting. The first is there's now as much data in the world if you took the number of grains of sand there are on the planet and multiplied it by 315, that's how much data there is available to us. What is a grain of sand equal to? A piece of data. So, information. So, okay. A, a fact. We're not putting a size on it because that no. is really disturbing, yeah. isn't it? So, so, however many grains of sand there are, 315 times that. The other analogy that, that, that I've got an iPad Air sitting in front of me here. <coughs> if you took an iPad Air and you stacked iPad Airs from here to the moon, and you fill their capacity, each each iPad Air, with the, with the volume of data that it can hold, you'd have to go six and a half times to the moon and back. Oh, um, and that's how much information and data there is. You, now, we're going to have to add this into your article. That is amazing. So when you add the fact of constantly being available and on and having data available that you could never possibly ever in a lifetime consume and get to know, and you're an average person who's trying to do a good job, it creates an enormous amount of pressure. Yes. Because you have the pressure of being available and you have the pressure of needing to know. And there's always somebody who knows more than you. So, you're, you know, the comparative mind kicks in and then, you know, the, 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 the whole idea of, you know, you see one, people who, who seem to be doing everything. They're wonderful parents, they're wonderful sports people, they're wonderful business people, they're wonderful leaders, they're wonderful associates, they're wonderful athletes, they're wonderful charity workers. And, you know, they seem to be doing everything and you, your comparative mind is saying, well, how can they do that? And I'm, I'm not. So there's this pressure that is created by circumstances that have just crept up on us by stealth, a bit like the frog in the boiling pot. Yes. So it, it, it's just created an expectation that is beyond what we're, what we're capable of delivering and creating or putting a pressure on us. And to add to that pressure, is it a case then with the di- digitally native, so let's say the generations coming up now, um, past the millennials, is it a case of their mind is, because they are more digitally native, a, is better able to absorb and faster able to absorb more information and then we're competing with them as well? Or are they just like us in that there's a certain amount of information that they can take before they reach overload as well? And I don't even think it's comparative. No matter how much they can take in and whether it's more or less than, than, than our generation or, or the millennial generation, they're, they're never going to be able to absorb as much as is available. Okay. So, yes, so the course. feeling that I'm not good enough because I don't know enough. Continues. I have to be on all the time. So your, you, you know, your, your point about balancing the home life and minding the kids and looking after and doing the best for the kids with the work commitments that you have and putting all that into context. But you're constantly on and there's more information available and more work to do than in both cases than you could possibly ever do in the time that you have. Now, we aren't just here to scare people. We are actually just going and looking at this. So first of all, looking at the whole idea of work-life balance, the fact that everybody struggles to attain it, very few get it. And even when you do, it's momentary, as you said. And I'm here with Ian McLean, co-founder of Greenline Conversations and also a founder of Flow, flowuk and ireland.com. And the whole goal of this is to help, what you do in your day-to-day, help people and companies manage change, right? Which is, an, which is what is coming, what is here, what we're trying to deal with, with the more, accessibility that we have to information the more that we say that we're able to work off out of the office and we're we're online all the time how do we manage that you do have three very clear and helpful steps which we will get to before that this whole idea what what is the first word that everybody says when they're asked now how they are busy and it's 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 seen as being if you're not busy you're a loser 
I'm summarizing that very quickly, but it's getting boring. You know, that is the the, the response is busy. We are all busy. We're all like even now hearing it in my throat. We're all constantly on the verge of being run down. We can't continue like that. So, you know, what can we do? I mean, like how many emails are we getting through a day? How many meetings are we have? You have stats on all of that. Yeah. So um, before addressing, there's one step even before before identifying the busy uh, antidote is the issue that that has emerged is that people feel with the pressure of available information and the pressure of always being available is they feel that life is out of control. Yes. And the issue with being out of control is that the number one cause of stress in life is when you feel a loss of control. So if you're driving a car and you hit a patch of ice and the car suddenly starts to skid, all of a sudden your stress levels go up. You regain control of the car, you get it back on the right side of the road, your stress levels come down. That applies in every, in every sphere. If you feel out of control in, with your finances, stress increases. If you feel out of control in your relationships, stress increases. So the issue that has, has been foisted on us is the impact is that it creates a sense of a lack of control on our side. That creates a fork in the road. And unfortunately, most people do the wrong thing and they turn in one direction instead of the other. And the natural reaction that people have when they feel out of control is to do exactly what you've said, is to fill their diaries. Because it feels like if I'm doing something, it feels like it's throwing something at the problem. And it results in the fact that nowadays the average average wor- worker employee deals with 66 meetings, goes to 66 meetings in a month, every month, 66 Same. meetings. And they deal with 122 emails on average every day. So just even think about the time and the volume of time. Now, what, what it is doing is it's filling your calendar. So, so yeah. it's a response to feeling a sense of lack of control. There's one thing I can do, I can control, I can fill my calendar. And the question becomes, what am I filling it with? Because there's a massive difference between being active, which is filling your calendar, and being productive, doing things right versus doing the right things. You're actually helping me breathe a little bit easier because I know you're coming with the solutions. Yes. So it's this is so true. How many people do we know? How many times, have, let's not look outside of ourselves, how many times have we done this? I'm guilty of it myself, that we fill and that we run around and we do all these things. But at the end of it, what have we done? Where have we, where are we towards the bigger picture or the goal? Or have we even set that bigger picture goal? So if we look then to your three simple but not easy um, steps to take back control yeah. in your words. So can you talk us through number one? Yeah, the first one is it's about answering the right question. And, and the question that we typically ask ourselves is what, what should I do? And the right question instead of what should I do, is what do I want? Okay. So it, this echoes back to part of what we talked about in our previous podcast. But the question is, <clears throat> rather than life controlling you, the, the good news is that you have choice. You know, what differentiates us from the animal kingdom is that animals have a stimulus on the outside and they react. So it's stimulus reaction, which is where you get the Pavlov response to the dogs. Um, Humans have a piece in the middle between the stimulus, which is the ability to exercise choice and then respond. And the word responsibility is made up of two words, which is response and ability. So as human beings, we have the ability to respond. So we have the conscious choice to be able to make the choices that 
animals who are conditioned in a particular way don't have, and that separates us from the animal kingdom. And the, the question from a human perspective is, what do I want begins to, first of all, it creates the space. You know the whole idea about ready, aim, fire? Most of us live life ready, fire, aim. <laughs> yes. And it seems ridiculous. But if by filling your calendar, all you're doing is you're firing all the time, <laughs> and the, but you haven't created the target. So true. And the ready part is important because it's the call to attention of just taking the time. You need time out to do this. So, I, you know, the irony of is the people who most need to manage their time are the people who can least afford the time. <laughs> yeah. But, but you need to create a discipline. And discipline is a, cr- a pretty critical element to, to all of this because you can be controlled by your mobile phone or you can control your mobile phone. You need to set in limits and you need to set parameters in the same way as you would do for your kids. Mm. You don't expect that the kids are going to be able to set their own limits on their mobile fo- on, on their technology. As parents, one of the things that we, we, we are obliged to do as good parents <laughs> is to set the limits for... But ironically, people are just kids with longer legs. Yes. Yeah. And we don't think about how we have to impose our own limits and create our own limits. So I'll get back to that in a second. That's really good. But the, the whole question about what is it that you want and, you know, in, what do you, everything you do is leading you in some direction. So you better decide on the direction before you actually start on, you know, t- taking the first step. Um, and one of the most powerful questions that begins to unlock this and begins to highlight how often what we're doing is out of, out of kilter with what we want is this simple, a simple question. If you had to identify one thing, and I'll ask you this, that if you did it more regularly in your work life would give you the biggest benefit or the biggest payoff, what would that one thing be? So if you just had to take, think about one thing, that if you did it more regularly in your work would give you the biggest benefit in your work, what would it be? Long-term planning. Okay. Now, if you think about what happens on a daily basis, when people plan, they normally make out a to-do list and then they fill their calendars with the stuff on the to-do list. How likely is it that that long-term planning item is going to appear on your to-do list tomorrow? Just answering honestly to this, so I'm really kind of making myself vulnerable to making a big screw up (laughs) on air. But no, for example, editorial calendar Mm -hmm. for the year is a great way to forward plan, a great way to think about where we're going, what we're doing and think about what our audiences need and want and also what RT have coming up that is lifestyle related. Okay, so when we do work to that, um, that's where my work goals are set within that. Okay, and then that gets filtered back down through a monthly calendar and then also through to a weekly one and a daily one. So it works, but you need the time. Do you need to have to make that time to do your ready, aim, fire? Yeah. And, and, but it all starts off with you looking, taking a longer term yes. view and thinking about what, you know, what the overall picture looks like. And um, good, good creating balance starts with getting a picture, <clears throat> an overview of what your life looks like. And interestingly, a good, a good way of looking at it, which works for a lot of people, is thinking of the idea or the concept of a wheel. Yes. And if you imagine the wheel is... The top half of the wheel is your personal life. The bottom half is your professional life. And there are spokes to the wheel. And if you break down your personal life into five to seven spokes, brain science would say that we can deal with five to seven pieces of information at any, at any given time. So you, you break down your personal life into five, or seven, uh, five to seven spokes. So that could be things like personal finance. It could be health. It could be relationships. It could be family. So these are, these are the key spokes to your personal wheel. And then the, the professional spokes. 
So they could be things like uh, the business finance, or it could be projects that you're working on, or it could be key accounts that you're managing, whatever those things are. But you, you just look at your whole life and the wheel of life right. through, through the lens of five to seven spokes in personal and professional. And what it does is it takes a complex subject and breaks it down into categories. And we can deal with that. And then the question you, you would ask yourself is, what, what would good look like in those areas? So in my personal life, what would good look like? So in the same way as you were talking about the RTE, what would good look like in the full round and realm of things for the lifestyle program yeah. and for everything that it contains? What would, what would it look like? And you begin to identify. So you talked about goals there earlier on. So you begin then to prioritize and identify what are the key things that we want to achieve in this year. But that's where we start. But first of all, you're creating, it's your initiative. You're dictating the terms. It's your choice. So now all of a sudden, simply by taking this approach, you are regaining control and create, beginning the creation of um, a more balanced outcome. So that, that's step one in, in the process, is decide what it is you want, compartmentalize life into the categories of personal and professional and the sub-elements sub of those, and identify within that what it is you want to achieve in whatever period of time. I am desperately writing down, if you probably can hear in the background of this. To summarise that point, you would say decide what's important, not just urgent, because the firefighting is exhausting. Yes. Okay, so that's number point number one in our goal to getting to that work-life balance, even in, when it is momentary, when we do hit it. But the goal has to be getting there. Okay, second. So then you need to begin to prioritise what you do to achieve that. Yes. And uh, that tends to... What, what people do on a regular basis is they tend to prioritize things that are urgent. So if you just decide what you're going to do tomorrow or this week, you just become a victim of things that are urgent. And you're just reacting to things as they happen, when they happen, without having a greater understanding of what they're contributing into. So having created what the long, you know, the bigger picture understanding is of what it is you want, then it opens up the question of, well, what are all the things that I need to do in order to get to that point? And, um, you know, going back to the question that I asked, what are, what are the things that if you did them more often and more regularly would help you in your, in your work, which is one question, but also in your personal life? So say, for example, a regular answer to that question would be something like, I need to improve uh, my diet. I need to exercise more often. I need to spend more time with the key people in my life. Uh, that's going to yeah. help me on a personal level. These are things that on a daily basis, when, you, when you're making your plan for today, typically don't appear on there because they're not urgent. These are things that are typically, that are important but not urgent. And as Eisenhower once famously said during the Second World War, I've only got two types of problems. I've got the urgent ones and I've got the important ones. Unfortunately, the important ones are never urgent yes. and the urgent ones are never important. And the ones that are going to give you more a greater sense of control because it's important that we have a conversation or you know, keep connected to the people that are important with us in our personal lives for those of us who deem it important. But it's not urgent. If I don't have the conversation, keep, keep abreast with my sister or my brother or my spouse, um, it isn't going to harm me today. And it's the fact that it has no immediate consequences that causes us not to prioritize it. But before that, we need to have visibility of what it is. So we need a reminder of it. Because the human brain is not designed to remember everything. It only remembers the things that are immediate and round about it and reacts to it. Unless we create a reminder for ourselves of what those things are. So things that are important, we need to identify what they are 
And we need to, the, 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 the next step is once we've identified what they are, we then need to schedule time. And this is a critical, a, a critical step is um, if, you want to create, if, if you want to create mastery in anything, the only distance between you and doing that is time and your ability to schedule time to do something. And I always use the example of anybody in a professional capacity needs to do a degree of professional reading to keep themselves updated on their topic. So this professional updating piece. Now, if, some, if an executive takes their briefcase and puts their professional data in there and carries it around with them and says, I'm going to read that as and when I get a chance, it will never happen. The only time it will ever happen is if they say, right, every Monday at 5, I have a bit of downtime. I'm going to schedule time and I'm going to do my, my update reading during that time. And it becomes a scheduled event. So the kids get dropped to school every morning only because there's a scheduled event that happens every at the same time every day and every time. But most of the things that are scheduled in our lives are imposed by other people. So, for example, at work, most of what people um, attend on a regular scheduled basis is imposed by the company or their boss or their manager. So the weekly meeting, it happens most weeks. Why? Because it's a scheduled event. But we're used to people imposing schedules on us, not the other way around. Ian, can I just interrupt you to say, can I rob you to stay beside I don't, me? I don't have much money. <laughs> All the time. Because this is, just just to take a breather on that, I know we're halfway through here and time-wise is against us, and um, we're well over halfway through, but this that's brilliant. So scheduling those important things into our daily sh- sh- schedule, because if we don't, they're not going to happen. I love the Eisenhower quote. I've already written that down. Um, we need to add that into your piece, which is going to be on Lifestyle as well. So first of all, what we've said is decide what is important, not just urgent. And number two then is scheduling time for the important. I'm really aware that the clock is up against us and I think we are definitely going to have to come back to this again yep. we will have it in the article we will have more information there the final point on this the final point it actually goes back to where we started off is that th- this we live a dynamic life life is not static it's constantly moving it's like a boat in the ocean the ocean's constantly moving and the environment is changing and so and so the idea that we do this once and once it's done it's we never have to do it again is just it's an illusion and it's not a real one and the, the best story, it's one of my favorite stories, which summarizes the need to consistently go back and revisit it, is the older gentleman who, feeling a bit neglected by his wife, approaches his wife one evening and appealingly says, Dear, you don't tell me that you love me. And she's <coughs> interrupted from whatever she was doing and she turns to the husband and she says, <clears throat> I told you I loved you the day on the altar. If anything changes, you'll be the first to know. <laughs> I like it. So <clears throat> it's, a, it's a constant reassessment. It's a constant revision. Just doing it once doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Um, if anything changes, you'll be the first to know. Okay, that is so good. So basically what we, we've been doing here, we've been talking to Ian McLean, who's the co-founder of Greenline Conversations and also the founder of Flow, and that's flowukandireland.com. And the whole goal of those companies really is to help people and companies manage change. So what we've been looking at today is that work-life balance. Yes, we can get it fleetingly. It takes a lot of work to get there and to even get it, to aim, to be continually aiming towards that. That's what we're working at today. How do you do it? Step one was decide what's important, not just urgent. Step two, schedule time for the important. And three is review regularly because nothing remains the same. All of these points and more are going to be in the article, which is on rte.a forward slash lifestyle. 
lifestyle and also in RTE News Now on in the app in the lifestyle section and of course across face, uh, I was going to say across facial across social which is Facebook Twitter and lifestyle that that is um You'll find us there as well at Orti Lifestyle. Thank you so much, Ian, for coming in as always. We're going to do links into this piece as well from our other podcast so people can have a listen back to the other areas because they are timeless and they do help us manage our lives. And I feel I can always breathe a little bit easier when I'm talking to you if I could only then manage to put all this into place. That's the next step. I like your Sheryl Sandberg line as well. Can we end on that? Yes, uh you probably have to remind me of it because I'd, I'd forgotten it when I wrote it. But it, <laughs> it was to do with the greatest career choice that you ever make is the choice of your partner in life. Boom. Brilliant. Or listening to you and having you in here to guide us along. Thank you so much. I'm Tara Lockery Grant. Thank you for listening and we'll be back with you next week. That's it from me, Tara Lockery Grant and the Lifestyle Show for this week on RTE Radio 1 Extra. The show is produced by Ola McGowan and you can listen back to our other Lifestyle Show podcasts on rte.ie forward slash lifestyle. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and email us at rtlifestyle at rte.ie. Plus you can tweet me on at Tara LG. That's Tara with a G-H. Goodbye for now and if there's anything that you'd like to hear featured on the show, you know where to find us. The Lifestyle Show with Tara Lockery-Grant on RTE Radio 1 Extra. 